Hey. So Dave. So Lou. This is our first official Patreon episode. Is it Patreon or Patreon? It's Patreon. <laughs> the inaugural Patreon episode for all of our listeners. And if you're listening to this, thank you for supporting the Haunted Hangover podcast. 100%. So the plan for these Patreon episodes are to kind of cover some some different topics. From time to time, we might deviate from, I guess, our normal Halloween talk. Maybe do some horror stuff, some We're definitely going to deviate. I know we are. Of course. <laughs> and... You know, we will obviously talk about Halloween, but, you know, this gives us an opportunity to maybe broaden things up when it comes to the Haunted Hangover podcast, you know? For sure. But one of the first ideas we had was to cover the original Halloween franchise, since we've kind of avoided it on the normal podcast. And today we're going to start with the original 1978 Halloween. Now, before we get into our breakdown, I'm going to just say this outright. This is my favorite film of all time. I didn't know that. I did not know that about you. Yeah, you didn't. I'm surprised you didn't know that. I've, oh. I've mentioned it on the show before. <laughs> but it's a huge part of me, like of me in general. Like it's the reason why I wanted to become a filmmaker and, and make my own movies it's also a reason why I love Halloween, the holiday in general. This movie just, it all goes back to the original Halloween for me personally. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's, I wouldn't say it's the most unique choice, <laughs> but it's all right. I don't care. I, I still, I still think it's one of the greatest movies. Well, to me, it is the greatest movie of all time. Look, I want to say this. I have not seen this movie in years. I don't... It, so, during the Halloween season, this is not part of my ritual. I do not watch the Halloween films. My go-to Halloween film is Season of the Witch, Part 3. So, with that being said, and of course, the one that does... Spoiler alerts ahead. I'm sure everybody's listening has seen these, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Does not have Michael Myers in it. Of course, the one that is my favorite. But that's besides the point. What I wanted to say is, watching Halloween... And only a few weeks ago, especially with the lens and the way I consume things now, because I have not seen this movie in probably close to 10 years. So it was a very nice, you know what, I want to say it was a nice reviewing of it, watching this film again, because I was very pleasantly surprised of all the things that I was able to pit, like, all the things I was able to pinpoint, pick out that like really stuck with me. So I just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, it's funny too because there are some people that prefer Halloween Three over the original Halloween Michael Myers storyline. <laughs> and we're gonna get to Halloween Three eventually on these Patreon shows. But like I said, for me, it's just it's been it's been a it's a comfort movie for I me. I get it. I probably watch it. I always watch it once in October. It makes sense. It'll more than likely, like, I'll put the Blu-ray on or something or find it streaming sure. somewhere and randomly put it on when I'm, like, writing or working on something or editing just to kind of have it on in the background. It's just one of those movies I can always put on and always watch. I never get bored with it. It's a lot of people that, that feel this way about this movie. It's it's a very fair it's a very fair go-to. Yeah, and I feel like we all have movies like of that. Course. We all have a movie that we can throw on and never get tired of. And again, for me, Halloween is that movie. The, the one, one. The, the only, only. The, the classic, classic Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. So Halloween was released on October 25th, 1978, which is perfect timing because it's literally a few days away from Halloween. Yeah. It was directed by John Carpenter. And here's an interesting fact because we never really talk about budgets, but it was made for $300,000. 
that's it. Amazing. Yeah, it's 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 a low budget film, and just I, I think I remember reading online that it made about I think initially it's probably made way more now at this point. It's a giant oh. you know franchise, but I think it made seventy million dollars. I think 60 or 70 wow. from what I can see I think on Wikipedia or something like that in its initial release. So it's made a shit ton of money yeah. but made for very little. So let's uh let's break down the film briefly. Let's do it. And what kind of happens in it. Uh if you're listening to us you probably know what happens in this movie. <laughs> so So the film opens up on Halloween night in 1963 in the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, which is a fictional town. It's not a real place. Lou, just go with me on this for a second. You're leaving out the pumpkin sequence in the beginning. <laughs> oh, yes. You're right. You're right. There is a, an amazing opening sequence with a jack-o'-lantern, the title card. I've actually talked about it in our iconic jack-o'-lanterns episode, specifically about that opening title sequence. I do want to say... That that uh, everybody knows that 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 opening is iconic. I really do feel like this really huge sense of unease and dread with the slow pan in to the to the jack o' lantern, and uh, I don't know. It's just a very effective opening because they probably just shot. I mean, you might even have info into this. They probably just shot it in a garage, <laughs> like you know, just uh, just zooming in on a you know on a on a blank canvas in the back. So it's super effective. That's actually exactly what they did. I think I mentioned it on, on our uh, iconic jack o I think I subconsciously remember yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> they did shoot it in a garage. Again, very low budget. Yeah. So, But I agree. It definitely, it definitely sets the uh, tone for of sure. the film. And, and you, you know, you don't, I, I guess if you're watching this for the first time and don't know what to expect, you're kind of like, damn, this is a little eerie. Yeah. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. So back into the movie, uh, we follow an unseen person. It's a POV of this said person, and they're walking around in front of a house, and they walk up to a window and come across this couple making out. So you you, you kind of think this is like a peeping tom or something. That's kind of the vibe you got from this this scene, this opening scene, and eventually. The uh, couple head upstairs to go uh, have sex, I'm guessing. <laughs> That's what I, hey, I'm assuming. Probably. <laughs> and again, the POV walks to the front of the house. You see the uh, upstairs light flick off, I guess, you know, sim- symbolizing that something is going Setting down that tone. In, the, uh, in the bedroom. <laughs> and uh, there's this great jack-o'-lantern just sitting on the porch. Yeah. And I've always and i believe it's a fake jack-o'-lantern because you can see the extension cord or like the uh the power cord on the back of it right and it's just it looks great it, it feels like halloween yeah so the unseen character eventually makes its way into the house grabbing a butcher knife from a kitchen drawer and the boyfriend runs down my dude's a minute man he was in and out uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he was there more than than a minute, dude. He was literally with her it in the bedroom. Very fast. Very fast. And then and then he's out. He's he he's breaking out after that. So he leaves, and the unseen figure heads up the stairs and grabs a clown mask from the floor, putting it on. So the point of view changes from just kind of this wide shot to these small eye holes just kind of you know to, to to show you that there's now a mask over this this person yeah the girl notices she's sitting there i think she's like i believe she's, she's brushing her hair. her hair yeah yeah i think she's brushing her hair and she yells michael and this figure starts to stab her repeatedly and and i love love this shot of the camera pans up from the pov up to the knife coming down stabbing her it doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it because why would you be looking up at your hand while you're stabbing somebody yeah but it's very effective it's effective for the film so the unseen figure person rushes downstairs and runs into a man and a woman who remove the clown mask and it's revealed to be a young boy named michael still holding on to a bloody butcher knife, just kind of looking completely lost. Like, that kid's look, he looks fucking demented. And the parents are just looking at him like, 
they're not even like there's not even like a look of they're afraid or they're mad at him. They're just looking at him like, what did you just do? Mm-hmm. It's a very subtle look on their faces. It's no, it doesn't even look like they're like you know like there's not it's not very animated. No, and I love how the camera kind of just pans way yep. back he and just goes way up high and just looking down at the mom the dad and, yep. and and a little michael and it's just very a very effective opening and this entire setup is is michael myers character arc like the murder of his sister judith is the reason why all these films exist yeah this opening sequence it's true now i want to talk about this opening sequence because i i think it's like just so original and creative and and I know some people say Black Christmas did this it did a similar thing but I don't know why personally speaking I always thought this this POV uh sequence was better than Black Christmas that's fair so I just wanted to add something about this specific specifically cuz we're going to talk about this opening sequence is that I don't know if people pick up on it or not but as we now know it's Michael watching his sister. He's outside of the house and he walks up and looks in the window. Then like he steps back and then he walks back again and this music stab comes in when he walks back into the house. So it almost feels like there's there's a point of hesitation with him because he does stutter step with going back into the house. And I, I really like that. Um, I don't know if you've picked up on that, but it's just something that I was like, ah, I was like, that's pretty good. Like, you know, like that's just something like something to add into something to make maybe show a little more that it's not a movie. You know what I mean? Like there's actually like, you know what I'm saying? It's a well-crafted scene and, and it's 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 got a lot of dread. It's got a lot like, you know, something bad's going to happen Absolutely. Like, when you're first watching this movie. You, you just know. I remember being a kid in this opening sequence scaring the shit out of me. Yeah. Because you don't know it's a kid at first. Like, after all these years now watching it back. It makes sense. Like, I mean, obviously, you yeah. know it's a fucking kid. Yeah. But, I, you know, watching it for the very first time. And I was very young when I watched this movie for the first time. I, I was probably the, the age of Michael Myers in the movie. And I just remember seeing that shit and being like, what the fuck? It's a little kid? Yeah. Cause you don't you don't think that at all. Yeah. So very 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 it works. It's it's just a great way to open the the movie. And you know, the, and another good attention to detail is like you could you could hear him breathing through his mask. Like you hear him like like that. That was just another thing. I was like, that's a really good detail to add into that. Yeah, because it's realistic. Right. That's what happens when you're wearing like a silly Halloween exactly. mask. Like you you hear your own breathing. So. <laughs> You ever done anything like this before? Only minimum security. Thanks. The driveway's a few hundred yards up on the right. The only thing that ever bothers me is their gibberish. When they start raving on and on. You haven't anything to worry about. He hasn't spoken a word in 15 years. So we jump ahead 15 years to October 30th, 1978, uh, where we're introduced to Dr. Sam Loomis. He's Michael's psychiatrist. Loomis and a nurse named Marion are planning on escorting Michael to a court hearing in hopes of keeping him locked up in a sanitarium forever. Like Loomis is kind of going on with this nurse about how he needs to be like heavily sedated and... <laughs> He doesn't even want him to be able to move. And I think there's even a line where Mary and the nurse is like, you know, he won't be able to speak. And and Loomis says he hasn't spoken a word in 15 years. So you already know this is a this guy's not human. He's fucked up. Michael Myers is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're horrified to find several patients wandering the premises unattended. It's it's night. Keep that this is a rainy thunder dark spooky night <laughs> and this was strategically planned by michael in order to help him escape and he does this by attacking mary and the nurse in the car eventually stealing it we jump to the next day which just so happens to be halloween 
and are introduced to a babysitter named Laurie Strode. She's dropping off a key that her father, her father is, is a real estate guy, like is a real estate agent, I guess, right? That's the, the name for it, selling houses. <laughs> and her father's like, oh, can you drop off the key to the Myers place? And she shows up and drops off the key just to kind of do him a solid. So you're introduced to her and you're also introduced to uh, the kid she's babysitting, Tommy Doyle. Who's kind of annoying in the movie. I'm not even going to front. Now, I always loved how the Myers house looks. Like, it looks like a fucking haunted house. It's not haunted, but it looks... Effective as hell. It's like that house all the kids are scared of in town to visit. Like, you dare each other. And that happens in the movie. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, and I've always, I've always loved that. Little side note, I've actually visited the original Myers house. I've been to California right. and, and checked the, I checked out the original Myers house. It looks the same. I, I, it was moved, I believe, like a block or two away. And if I remember correctly, it's, it's a chiropractor's house. It's, it's some sort of doctor. That, right. that's where It's office space now, basically. Right. So it was a really interesting uh, thing to see in person. I, I've actually visited a lot of the locations in this movie, in uh, I believe it's Pasadena or South Pasadena. I know, I know, this isn't much of a spoiler, but um, that that iconic scene with him in the bush, that bush is over there too, right? That um, that yeah, giant I've hedge. Been to all of right. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's still there, dude. A lot of these locations look exactly the, the same, same yeah. as they do in the movie. The hedge, the 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 Myers house, and the um, there's that scene where Laurie sits down. On like a little, it's not a stoop. I don't. It's like a little corner thing, and she's holding a jack o' lantern. That I've actually been there. It looks exactly the same. Did you do it, Lou? Did you hold a jack o' lantern and pretend <laughs> to be Laurie Strode? The people that own that house apparently place jack o' lanterns on the porch so people can take pictures. That makes sense. When I went, <laughs> I didn't know that. I learned about that after the fact, and I was gonna go up to the porch. I did see jack o' lanterns, but I was like nervous because it. I'm going to step on someone else's property. Right. So I was like, I didn't want to fucking do it. So now next time I go to California, I'm 100% going to get the picture and post it up on Haunted Hangover's Instagram. So You have to. <laughs> At this point in the film, uh, we jump back and forth between Dr. Loomis, who has arrived in Haddonfield in search of Michael, and Laurie Strode with her two friends, Annie and Linda, who are babysitting some kids. Uh, Laurie is babysitting again Tommy Doyle. And her friend Annie is babysitting Lindsay Wallace. Their friend Linda just wants to use one of them so she can have sex with her boyfriend Bob. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically that's what it is. It's funny because when you watch the movie back and like like yo, that's she's like the shitty friend that just is like, hey, can I bring like my boyfriend over to fuck? Those like, hormones basically, are raging, that's man. That's what she wants to do. But it's funny because in the film, and I want to talk about the performances. Uh, we'll, we'll do that now. We'll talk about some of the actors sure. and the performances in the film. But, like, Laurie Strode is 100% like the virgin. And Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays her, is great in this role. Like, it's such an it's her most iconic role for keeping it real. Like, when you think of Jamie Lee Curtis, and she's been in a ton of great movies, you still you just think of actress. Laurie Strode. She is. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. And she's been yeah. in a ton of great great horror films and donald pleasance who plays dr loomis same thing fucking great actor yep. he was in james bond i believe he was in that film the great escape which you know he's been in a ton Some of just lots of stuff lots of stuff way before halloween was even i think even being thought about you know and i think the story goes that like john carpenter originally wanted christopher lee and it didn't work out, so I think Donald Pleasance was like next in line to play it. And I believe what it was was Donald Pleasance's daughter liked Assault on Precinct 13, which was the film John Carpenter made before this Amazing movie. movie. So I think it kind of worked out for them. It worked out in their favor because his daughter enjoyed Assault on Precinct 13, which is also an amazing... John Carpenter's early stuff, it's like great. his first fucking 15 movies are fucking great, so... <laughs> Um, but when it comes to kind of her friends, Laurie Strode's friends, Annie and Linda, I'm not going to lie. They're not the best actors in the film. Some of the acting's a little wooden on their part, but it's passable. The, the girl that played, uh, that played Linda 
Her name is PJ Soul. She was in Rock and Roll High School. Yeah, she's in a few things. She's in Carrie. She's uh, in Stripes with Bill Murray. So she's, again, they're they're not bad actors, but you can tell they're young actors. They're kind of finding their way. But it never distracted me. from. It never bothered me enough to really, dis- like, it doesn't distract from the film. You don't even really notice it. I've just seen it so many times. I was just going to say, it, it to me, it all flowed pretty well as far as acting goes because i didn't really miss you know nothing really stuck out to me where like oh the acting's kind of shot you know shoddy over here uh, to me it was all passable yeah and and again they you know the, the girls are written like teenage girls it, it it makes sense the linda character says totally about 50 times in the movie she's like i'm totally not scared he totally never showed he totally yeah. it's you know it's almost i think at this point it's a joke and people like when you say totally, like people get what the reference is, yeah. and, it, and it and it goes back to Halloween. So it's just it's funny. I even think Rob Zombie's remake, which we'll get to eventually, even parodies it a bit and 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 mentions it a little bit. And like I think his version of Linda does the whole totally thing too. So it's kind of funny. It it, it works. Yeah. It's silly, but it works. You know, it's totally insane. We have three new cheers to learn in the morning. The game is in the afternoon. I have to get my hair done at five, and the dance is at eight. I'll be totally wiped out. I don't think you have enough to do tomorrow. Totally. There's a bunch of, like, great scenes uh, with Loomis bouncing around to different areas in town. He visits Judith Meyer's grave, and he discovers that it's been removed, and it's blamed on Halloween on a Halloween prank or kids. I think like the uh, the dude working at the graveyard is like fucking kids or not that not not verbatim. That's that's Rob Zombie's Halloween fucking kids. I think he just said, God damn it, like these kids are messing up um, these gravestones and stuff. Um, he also tries warning the town sheriff, whose name is Bracket, about Michael's arrival. Bracket just so happens to also be Annie's father, so. That's a good little, uh, it's a good way to kind of build the town. You could tell how uncomfortable and how worried Loomis is too. Because you could see that he's nervously bouncing around town trying to get some kind of hold on the situation, which is not working out for him. No, not at all. (laughs) Um, At the same time, Michael is stalking and creeping on these three girls. At this point, like... Uh, there's a scene where Laurie's in class and Michael Myers is outside by his car, just kind of like watching her creepily. You know, speaking of that scene in school, I don't know what they're reading or what passage it is, but the but it's talking about fate, and yes. the use of fate is already being placed on Laurie, mm-hmm. which I actually really liked. It's very subtle too. Like if yep. you're not paying attention, because no, you're, you're paying attention to it. Michael Myers, right. yeah, you're paying attention to him outside, just like watching her. So yeah. it's like y- you could miss that. But he's constantly following around the girls in his car. At one point, uh, Annie and Lori are walking home, and Michael pops out behind the hedge, which is a great visual. Him yeah. just standing there, and as they as they get closer, he hides behind it, and I think Annie runs up to the hedge. And Michael's gone, and she she just kind of is like, Laurie, you're going crazy. You're seeing men behind bushes. It's <laughs> Annie's a great character. I've always liked the character yeah, of Annie in this movie. Like she's like the great, like spunky best friend. It it works. And it's she's just that entire sequence is just really funny. Also, the uh the uh the scene where they're in the car after Annie picks up Laurie and they're smoking a joint and, like, Don't Fear the Reaper's playing. I love that. I have that written down in my notes. I love that. That's a great scene. Uh, they have that one sequence where they, I think they pass a hardware store and someone broke into it. Someone, we know who it is. And I have some more to say about that scene later. Same. But they come across Sheriff Brackett, which is, again, Annie's father, and he's, you know, they're, they're trying to hide the fact that they've been smoking a fucking doobie in the car. I also just love how they set up the town just the two narratives bouncing between loomis and then laurie loomis laurie it's it's so different this innocent girl and her friends are just planning their halloween night and then this other guy who's who's chasing a fucking psychopathic killer like it's just i just love the setup then meeting the sheriff and then going to the you know it it feels like a real place yeah and that's that's what i've always loved about halloween just how he's just driving around. Michael Michael's 
taking his time. He's methodical. He's not just fucking as much as I love Jason, he's not just running up and chopping someone's head off. He's 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 figuring out what his plan is. He's right. almost obsessed with Laurie Strode and 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 just again, traveling throughout the there's that one sequence we didn't even mention. A group of bullies are picking on Tommy and they knock him over. They they I think they trip him actually and he falls on the pumpkin it it breaks and the kids run off and the one bully kid, I think his name's Lonnie, runs into Michael and then Michael just kind of grabs him and then lets him go. And he and he's just again, Michael's just just stalking this little kid, the girls, and Loomis can't fucking find him. <laughs> that's that's it's just he's he, he's literally standing in the middle of the day wearing a fucking white mask and fucking Loomis can't fucking find him. You must think me a very sinister doctor. <laughs> Oh, I, uh, I do have a permit. Seems to me you're just plain scared. Yes. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of, of good or evil, right or wrong. So later that night, Loomis hangs out at the Myers house, armed with a gun, expecting Michael to arrive. That's kind of his plan. He knows Michael Myers wants to come home, so he's just going to hang out by the house. Sheriff Brackett patrols the streets, but he's like very doubtful like of Michael's arrival. He doesn't think he's going to show up. And going back to Laurie's friends, too, they kind of brush her off as well. So it's funny how the sheriff is brushing off Loomis and then Lori's friends are everyone's just like, Oh, you're crazy, oh you're full of shit. Like they don't dig a lot of parallels. Yes. They don't believe the other person and they're 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 warning these people, like, look, there's a guy following us. This guy is pure evil, and no one is is listening to them. And there's that really, really cool exchange between Sheriff Brackett and Loomis where they're in the Myers house. And Loomis has like this this monologue where he's explaining how how long he's taking care of Michael. He's got the devil's eyes. He's purely and simply evil. Just playing him up as this fucking horrible, horrible person. So at this point in the movie, Michael murders both Annie and Linda plus Bob. The, the, the fuck boy who wants to uh, <laughs> who wants to bang Linda. Damn. And all he wants to do is drink and fucking have sex with Linda. Uh, after not hearing from her friends, because Annie drops off Lindsay, the little girl, to go see her boyfriend. So she's kind of like, hey, can you watch my kid while I go out? And That's she's right. trying to have her own little fling, her own little uh, sex party or whatever somewhere else. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Lori goes to investigate since she hasn't heard from them. She discovers everyone's corpses and Michael emerges trying to kill her now. Like, it's her turn now. Like, I, I finally get this last girl. Now, at this point in the film, you 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 finally kind of get a look at Michael. He's always far away. He's always hidden in darkness. He's always like you get POVs over the shoulder. You never get a good look at him. But at this point, you you see him like just outright. And I I've always loved how the mask and the overalls, and we haven't even gotten into that, but just how they look in the lighting. You know, most people that are listening to us probably know the origin of the Michael Myers mask. It's a William Shatner Captain Kirk mask that they modified, spray painted and cut the eye holes and did a bunch of shit to. And then the the overalls. And I've always to this day and I, I don't know if this information is online. Why did he wear overalls? I get there's a scene earlier where Loomis discovers the, the, the garage guy dead. But why did the production choose overalls? So I want to touch on this subject. So one of the things I have written down in my notes, and I'm not going to say it's necessarily a con, but I would have liked to have seen Michael actually kill the mechanic and get the mask. Because there's questions that I ask myself, like, how does Michael know how to drive? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. There's just stuff like that that kind of that irks me, but but that's besides the point. There's one yeah. parallel that I think I might have made to this. So he's wearing a pair of mechanic coveralls, and he's got a mask. Yeah. 
when he was a kid, he had the clown jumpsuit, which is basically mm-hmm. the same thing as the mechanic jumpsuit, and a mask. So I wonder if he's just going off of his memory of this is what I have to do. This is like this is how I have to dress to hide myself. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I get it 100%. From what I remember, like the behind the scenes, like the concept for the mask was like it was supposed to look emotionless. Right. Like just a white blank face. Did it look human? But I've always found that they chose mechanic overalls or coveralls, whatever they're called, for his clothes. I Like what you're saying does make sense. But like I don't know if there's ever been an answer I mean, as I think- to why <laughs> – yeah. I'm I'm just gonna go with I'm gonna I'm gonna say my theory. I I like my theory. I'm going with my theory. It is a good theory. It is. I I I do like your theory as well. So thank you. I also love how Tommy constantly calls him the boogeyman. Like throughout the entire film, this little kid is like the boogeyman's here. The boogeyman's outside. The boogeyman's well, looking at me. Well, that's why he's getting bullied in school because those kids are saying the boogeyman to him, and it's really out of context. But still. That's what gives him this whole notion of the boogeyman. He even warns Laurie. At one point, he sees Michael just standing yeah. in front of the house, that the Lindsay, uh, Lindsay's house, where the girl Annie's babysitting, and Michael's just standing there, and it's a great visual. It's just a silhouette, and he freaks out. And he's like, the boogeyman's outside, the boogeyman's outside, and I think Lindsay's, at this point, Lindsay's already in the house with, with uh, Laurie and, and Tommy, and... They're just kind of like, there's no one outside. So even Laurie's kind of brushing off this little kid. Yeah. So it's it's just a lot of like, ah, oh, you're crazy. Ah, don't worry about it. There's no one out. Like just constantly brushing each other off. That's the, that's the entire plot of Halloween. Everyone being warned and then just kind of eh. saying you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. So Laurie is able to outrun Michael, you know, while he's trying to kill her. Basically... By the skin of her teeth, because she gets, I think, cut in the arm, and she gets, she falls down steps, Definitely she falls, falls over the, the, the guardrail, and then yeah. falls on some steps. She gets fucked up in this yep. in this chase, and we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to that later, that chase specifically. Um, and she makes it back to the Doyle house where Michael's able to break in. She hides the kids and does her best job to kind of fight, if you want to call it fight, but fight Michael. Um, thinking she stopped him several times, but he always comes back. Eventually, she's able to stun him momentarily and then sends the kids out to find help. I think she tells him, go to the neighbors and call the cops. She hit him with the Stone Cold Stunner? <laughs> that would have been imagine, awesome. Imagine. <laughs> go ahead. Lou- <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> she flipped him off and then gave right? him the Stunner. <laughs> So Loomis is now patrolling the area after discovering the car Michael stole parked on the side. And he witnesses the kids running out of the house screaming. They're literally just ah, running out. Michael rushes into the house and discovers Laurie being strangled by Michael. But she's able to break free because she removes his mask. And Loomis takes this opportunity to shoot Michael forcing him to fall out of a window. Now, the film wraps up with Laurie asking Loomis, was that the boogeyman? I believe that's the line, was that the boogeyman? And he answers, as a matter of fact, that was. Loomis walks over to the window, looks down to discover that Michael's body is now missing. Cue music, end credits. Such a great ending to this fucking movie. I've always loved the visual of Michael being there unconscious on the floor and then Loomis walking over and he's fucking gone. Right. Like, the movie always felt final to me. It didn't need a hundred sequels, but it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just so effective. And I love how this one little cliffhanger was like the seed to the rest of the franchise. I mean, really, like, it is. This, it's kind of amazing. And it's funny because they've rebooted the movies, I guess, like new time. There's like eight timelines in the Halloween franchise. Yeah. But just him falling out the window and getting up and vanishing into thin air was just, it, it planted the rest of the franchise. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. So now let's give our overall thoughts on the film. So again, this is my favorite movie of all time. 
Number one movie, always number one on the list. And the reason why I love it so much, besides it being set on Halloween, besides, you know, it being a horror film, I'm a big horror fan, but that's not why I love it. I love it because I think this movie has one of the most unique feelings. It feels a certain way. And that's a little bit, that's a weird way to kind of articulate it. I understand what you're saying. But when you watch Friday the 13th and watch Halloween, there is no other movie, I feel, that has been able to recreate the atmosphere of Halloween. I I just, I I don't think I've ever... Obviously, there are filmmakers now that have have done you know similar jobs at creating that feeling. There's one though. What's it called it? It follows. It follows to me. Try to recreate the feeling of this movie, but it's just so unique. It's funny you say that because I have it written down in my notes. But that closet scene with the hanger and Laurie and Michael was very. I mean, obviously, it follows took that when when you could see the people coming the old like. When uh, I think her name's Jay, right? Is that the main character's name? Yes. And it follows when she could see the the people coming at her. That was very reminiscent, especially with the music and how claustrophobic it could get f- to that closet scene. So it's funny that you bring that up because I did write that down in my notes that it reminded me of it follows. It's an influential film, dude. Halloween, yeah. I feel. And, and everyone said this. You listen to other podcasts. You, you watch interviews. It's such an influential movie just because of how – just how unique it feels. I, I Again, there's something about Halloween that just feels so different. I could agree with you and, on that. And going back to music, dude, how, how the, the, the score of Halloween is fucking incredible. Absolutely. Like, it's probably the most iconic – of all like the horror slashers and I, and I don't like to obviously this was the I guess like uh the birth of like 80 slasher films since it was it was late late 70s and Friday yeah. the 13th came out 2 years later but like again just the music the atmosphere the character of Michael Myers the dread someone watching you you know, I love the parallels of this doctor trying to stop this like force that just wants to hurt people, and then this innocent girl who's just kind of stuck in the middle of all this shit. Do you want to know what I think? I think what the feeling that you're trying to describe, and sometimes it's better to just not even try to describe the feeling. It's a yeah, feel, it's, it's a feeling. It's tough. It's a feeling that you get, and you know what? Sometimes it's just better off being like, there's something about it. I don't know what it is. This is how I feel about it. But I think I can maybe, maybe get a, get a little sliver of that feeling that I, that I could try to describe is there is a very intimate feeling to this movie that is not as strong in those other films. This movie creates that intimacy very early on and very easily. And I think that's part of the feeling that you're getting is that unlike all these other films out here, this is creating this type of intimacy that is very unique to this franchise. Mm -hmm. And it's not a gory film. There's not a lot of blood. No, it's not. Barely. I think you see like two (laughs) droplets here and there. And that's basically it's not it's not a violent. It's violent, but not violent like some of the other slashers we all know and love, you know. Right. And talking about the holiday of Halloween, I also think this film was able to capture that like Halloween vibe of the holiday. Like and what's and what's funny is, you know, and I and I mentioned earlier going to these locations, this shit was shot in California where it they they don't they don't get a fall. Nope. (laughs) They don't get, you know, I think uh, if I remember correctly, getting pumpkins was hard to find during this production because that's not like when you go to California in October, and I've been, it's so different from what we experience, you know, on the East Coast. Yeah. Where the leaves change, and it gets cooler. And it gets cooler in California, but not like it does in New no, York. No, not over here. And, you know, the trees and just everything. But in the film, they were able to recreate that. You know, it's, it's again, hard to explain, but it, just, it felt like Halloween. It's, it's a, it, you feel the dread 
you you know something bad's gonna happen. I wish I could watch this movie like it was the first time. <laughs> you know, again, like it's. I well, remember watching this shit, dude, and and it just like it it changes like you're it it changes you emotionally. You're like, what the fuck is gonna happen? And you feel stressed out, and that's that's just what I love about it. Now, Dave, since you had visit, you know, you hadn't visited this film in a long time. What are your thoughts on it? Well, that's what I wanted to say is that I so since I have not seen this movie in, in quite some time, watching it again was it was a nice it was a really nice uh, thing to do because again, I do not consume things the same way I did 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So watching this again was kind of like seeing it for the first time because there's just so many little details that I was just you know personally was picking up on like you know, when we were talking, like, while, while you were breaking the movie down, I had little individual notes written down for specific scenes. But one of those scenes was when Michael actually, when they when they go to pick him up, there's there's the brake light or whatever of the, of the station wagon. And it lights him up in a very specific way when he climbs over the top of the, of the station wagon. And I just loved it. I was like, this is such, like, these just little details that was just, like, blowing my mind. I was like, this is so great. So... Overall, for me, like this movie itself, it's just a well-done movie. It's a well-done, low-budget movie. And not even a horror movie, it's just a well-done movie. So, seeing it and being able to make that, you know, to, to make that conclusion for it was, was very was very gratifying. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm jealous that you were able to kind of watch this almost like it was a new movie. Because you hadn't seen it in so long. Pretty much. Yeah, which is awesome. It, I, I'm glad because... I know we've talked about it. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, but like you're not one again, you said it earlier to revisit the Halloween films. So it's cool for this for the podcast. You're able to rewatch them and it's almost like these movies are new cuz I know you're I know you're familiar with part 3 the most, but the Michael right. Myers that's movies my, that's you're my not go-to. as familiar. Yeah. Right. So it, it's cool. It's cool that we're able to do that on the show matter can i get your ghost bob <laughs> all right all right come on where's my beer so now let's go into uh into some of our favorite moments and uh i want to start with this is kind of cheating but i'm picking two things uh i want to talk about annie and linda's deaths Okay. So Annie dies, and I love the setup. Annie is, you know, after she drops off Lindsay with Lori because, she, again, she wants to go see her boyfriend and get wild. <laughs> she runs to, the, uh, to her car. She tries to open it, and it's locked. And I, the camera, you know, it doesn't follow her, but it cuts to her exiting the garage, walking outside in front of the house, back into the house. She's singing a song. She's wearing clogs and a shirt and a blanket clogs. or something. Like she's half, <laughs> she's like half naked, which is like, she's just doesn't care. Very, very free spirited. And she walks into the house. She gets the keys. She combs her hair in the mirror really quick, brushes her hair, goes back outside and the doors open. The car just opens, but she doesn't realize it. She's, and I love this. And it's almost like she's breaking the fourth wall. That's how I've taken it. But that's how I took it. But she sits down. And then her, she literally looks at the camera. Like, didn't I just come out here and it was locked? And Michael pops up behind. Tries to strangle her. And he eventually gives up. Because she's fucking fighting him. And slits her throat. And it's really quick. I, I, it's, I think it took me years to notice that he was slitting her throat because it's so quick. And I'm very glad you brought this scene up because this just so happens to be one of my favorite moments of the film. Not the killing aspect, but the <laughs> shot of Michael through the frosted window was very gripping to me. I was like, holy shit, mm -hmm. that looks so good. So like it visually for does. me, yeah, I was like, whoa. And I wrote that quickly, made put a little asterisk there. This is one of my favorite parts of this film. It's not so much to death either because yeah, it's, it's not that graphic. No, not at it's all. It's just the setup right. of that scene. Just how she goes to the car, it's locked, goes back into the house, gets the keys, goes back, and now it's open. And it's like she had a brain fart. It took her a second to realize something is wrong. 
Like, what? That makes no sense. You know, she also has, Annie has another scene. I, I like the scene a lot. It's not my favorite. I, I think her death scene's more effective where she's like washing clothes in the outside laundry area and yeah. she gets stuck in a window. Yeah. And you see Michael Myers like behind her, really eerie. Like he could have killed her there, but doesn't. Like he's just fucking with her. He's toying with them. Yeah, that's basically what he's doing. Her her death scene's always been just I feel very dreadful. Just kinda like, ooh, like that's fucked up. And now Linda's death scene, I feel is just iconic, dude. Him so so Linda's death scene, she basically having has sex with Bob. She's like, Oh, get me a beer. Bob goes downstairs, Michael kills him, sticks him uh and it's iconic as well. Sticks him into, I think it's like a closet. Yep. Stabs him in the stomach and then he hangs on the, uh, on the closet and Michael just kind of tilts his head and looks at him. But Michael goes back to the bedroom wearing a sheet and glasses. And it's just an eye. Like, dude, like you can't think of... You cannot think of Halloween without, without thinking that. of exactly. that scene. I totally it's agree. Just, and, and then she calls Laurie because she's like, where the, hell's, where the hell's Annie? And then Michael slowly, that music picks up. And Michael slowly approaches uh, Linda while she's on the phone and strangles her with the phone cord. Which I, I was always like, damn, he's, he's really going in on her yeah, there. Yeah, he is. And uh, Laurie hears it on the phone, but she thinks it's Annie having sex, I think. And it's just so iconic. Just the setups to both of those scenes, how Michael kind of fucks with these people like he's an animal like that they're his prey so he kind of teases them a little bit and then jumps and pounces and kills them and i've always always loved that about this movie he doesn't outright just he could have just chopped their heads off but <laughs> but he doesn't do that no. he fucking takes his time to, to 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 kill them so since you 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 mentioned the uh the fog being your you know that that the fog but right the, uh, the, win- the, the frosted yeah. window the frosted Same, yeah. window because similar that was like a sign that Annie should have known someone was in the car. And again, that's a really good, good thing to mention. Attention to detail. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. So Dave, what's your what's your second favorite thing since you uh already said what so, your first was? So now this is gonna be a little the way so I'm I can it's a two parter. And the second part of this I'm gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember Halloween two that much. So there could be more insight into this specific detail that I'm going to describe that could go into Halloween too, but I'm just going to go out and say it. So, I love the lighting when Loomis and the nurse are driving to go get Michael while she's smoking her cigarette. There's just this, this lighting is just such a fucking vibe. And I'm just sitting there like, like, looking at it through, like, you know, just, like, visually for me, like, this is something that I would have loved to have set up and take a shot or, you know what I'm saying? Just something that was just very visually stimulating to me. Dude, the lighting in the entire film is amazing. That yeah. blue. If you notice, like, you could tell they set up lights outside to kind of light up lots of shadows, dark shadows, blue lights, kind of setting it. Even when Bob's killed, there's that, you could tell they set up a light yeah. outside of the window just to kind of light some of the room up blue. And then that opening sequence with, um, well, not opening, but early on in the film, like you were talking, where Loomis and Mary and the nurse are driving and just the lights on their faces. And, and I'm pretty sure that scene, when, when she's driving, they're probably in a garage she's getting sprayed with water and the car's yes. just shaking. I don't think they were actually driving. So they were able to control so much of the movie I think because of the lighting, and I'm telling you, dude, the atmosphere of the movie, the ambiance of this movie is 100% due to that lighting. And they, again, it's a it's a lower budget movie. They know what they're, you know what I'm saying? Like, they know they have to make the best of what they have. So, they did it to their best ability, and I think it, it, it really worked out for them. So, the second detail in that shot with Loomis and the nurse is the matchbook. Of the Rabbit and Red Lounge. To me, that's a very mystic, ominous thing to throw in to something. Especially just an attention to detail on a matchbook. Um, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and we're not going to get into it. But is there not a scene at the the Rabbit and Red in Part 2? No. There is not. No, there, there isn't. Very, very interesting thing to kind of 
focus on when you're not going to make use of it? What I think it was is it was just something to move the story along. Like Loomis noticed it in the car. And then when he's on the side of the road calling them, like warning people that Michael's going there, going to Haddonfield, it was just something. And then he finds it again. It just gives, I right. guess it was like something to, to tell the audience that Michael was here. Like, you know, because it's on the floor. I think that's all it was. Now, I think the reason why you think it's more important than it actually is, is because in the Rob Zombie movies, which we'll get to down the line, Michael's mom was a stripper at a place called the Rabbit and Red Lounge, okay. I believe. Yeah, it's a strip club, I think, in the Rob... Of course, fucking Rob Zombie's going to make her... Michael Myers' mom a stripper so that's kind of right. you know his you know so, all his characters are always fucking kind of like shitty and stuff and kind of like yes. horrible so <laughs> so j- just just going back to the, the whole matchbook thing I love matchbooks I have a t- I don't have a very big collection of them but I have a few mm-hmm. and I love collecting vintage ones and the matchbook is just very you know so to me it was like this very intricate detail to put a focus mm. on. And I, I, I think I just wanted it to be more. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I, I really do love that about the movie. That that Rabbit and Red matchbook. Like, it's... I fucking love it. I think most people that are Halloween fans, you say Rabbit and Red Lounge. They know exactly what you're right. talking about. I think I have a hat. One of my uh, snapbacks, I have oh, I'd uh, buy a that. pin on it. That has... It oh, just well, says if, Rabbit and Red. If it was a hat, yeah. I'd buy that, too. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> Um, but going back to the lighting real quick uh, before I talk about it kind of plays into my next favorite uh, thing about the movie or moment in the movie um, uh, when Laurie goes into the the Wallace house to look for her friends um, she discovers Annie in the bed dead with Judith Myers tombstone amazing, that's another amazing shot. great visual I'm actually wearing my t-shirt of it right now as we awesome. speak <laughs> look in the, there it is yeah, you continue see it yeah. yeah so I've always yeah that image of her like seeing her friend there like it's fucking eerie fucking creepy and then Linda's in the closet and then Bob like just like is hanging off the wall or something uh when she like tries to yeah. she bumps into a wall or something so I, I've always loved that she kind of discovers her friends' bodies. It was really twisted and, and just kind of morbid. And again, that entire sequence, uh, the lighting is phenomenal. I also love, I also love uh, when Bob and Linda are having sex that they decide to leave a jack o' lantern by the bed. Yeah, and it's just lit up. So fuck. It's such a cool visual though, and it plays into Annie's death. Uh, Annie laying in the bed because you've got the jack o' lantern, Judith Myers tombstone, and then Annie dead in the bed. It's just. Again, great visual. Um, so I don't, I don't remember if uh, the exact date. It might. I, I'm pretty sure it was at the Mahoning Drive-in last October on Devil's Night. They had, um, I, I don't remember. I don't know if it was the actress that played Annie that was there, but they mm-hmm. had somebody there, and they had the tombstone. Well, that's awesome. The Judith Myers tombstone there. And I took a picture of it, and I'll I'll send it to you so we could post it up on the Instagram. But um, I was like, yo, that's that. I was like, that's fucking great. That's tough. I'm gonna take a little walk. What is the boogeyman? I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of. Are you sure? How? I killed him. You can't kill the boogeyman. So my second favorite thing uh, about Halloween, I, I love the uh, chase scene slash fight between Laurie and Michael. You know, that whole buildup of her, again, discovering her friends. She gets stabbed in the shoulder, falls into the down the steps or mm-hmm. whatever, runs out of the house. Michael walks. He doesn't run. So I love how he just, like, slowly taking his time chasing her she's trying to get her neighbor's attention they're ignoring her she's just bouncing all she's just running all around you know and and michael again very methodical taking his time you know i love when she goes into the house how she warns the kids to run and tommy's like it's the boogeyman i told you like you know he 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 fucking knows what's up and then she has like she uh she stabs michael with a knitting needle then the, then the, the scene you talked about, she hides in a closet 
and Michael walks up the steps. And I think at this point, he just breaks the closet door. And I believe she takes, yeah, she takes a, uh, a hanger, a metal hanger, and uses it to stab him in the eye. And then she takes his own knife and stabs him in the chest or the stomach, and he falls to the ground. And then that iconic scene where Laurie thinks, you know, he's dead, but he sits up. Right behind yeah. her, that really creepy scene. I remember when I first time I saw something creepy. He just gets right up, and she's unaware completely that this dude can't. Fu- he's not fucking dying. Oh. So just that entire scene, so so tense, so well crafted. Like it's a good fifteen minutes of just her running away from Michael and trying to fight back. And and it's funny because you know with the newer Halloween movies that have come out, like the, well, the new one that came out in 2018, and there's a new one later this year. Like, you believe that that girl, and we're gonna get to the the the, the newer Halloweens eventually too, where Laurie Strode's older. But you believe that that girl is this older woman now trying to defend herself from Michael Myers. Like it makes sense. Yeah. And just the character of Laurie Strode not giving up and trying to defeat him. That whole sequence, dude, is just. Again, very tense when you first watch it, and it's so effective. Oh, absolutely! You know, there's there's one thing I want to touch on, and we've been talking about it throughout the whole this whole episode um, about kind of like the parallels or like duality between Loomis, Michael Myers, and Laurie. And there's just like some scenes, like for instance, there's one scene where Michael punches through a door, and then Laurie decides to punch through a window. So, like, it's just, I don't know if these things are done on purpose. You know, maybe I'm just going too, diving too far into me wanting to make connections <laughs> to some things. But, um, you know, like I said, there, there are lots of, of these dualities that are playing throughout the film that are really, yeah. uh, they're very interesting. So I just wanted to point that out. It's smart filmmaking, man. Again, I think yeah. it was well-crafted, the action and the, the sequences. Like, they knew what they were doing. Definitely. They planned all that shit out. So it's yeah. it's again just that whole sequence of him chasing her just perfect, and I forgot about him punching through the door and her breaking the glass to remove a yeah. rake. Like just again, just it's so tense, man. Yeah. So in typical haunted hangover fashion, we always do our pros and cons. What would you say a con is for you with this movie? <laughs> again, this is my favorite movie of all time, and I don't want to take uh, I don't want to take your route my and pop out and say like I have, I have no cons. <laughs> but if I ha- I always try to pick a con with everything, even my favorite films of all time. Fair. Every no movie is perfect. There's always something, and my only con would be some of the continuity errors in the film. Like there's some stuff that's just like. Really, they couldn't avoid that, right? And then there's also some continuity issues in the in the story, but it's very subtle. So here are some examples. Like in the beginning, when Marion is in the car, the nurse, and Michael's on top of it, and he breaks the window, you can see clear as day he's holding a wrench in his hand. But it's like they painted it to match his skin tone or something, so he could break the window. Right. So, like, something like that. There's also a scene where you could see cigarettes. I think Annie and Laurie are by the hedge. And you could see cigarette smoke clear as oh, day. Definitely. Like, it's not supposed to be there. Yeah. Because John Carpenter's a smoker. So, like, I see stuff like that and I'm like, that's kind of fucking That like, doesn't lazy. bother me. I that's, think it's I guess, funny. <laughs> yeah. It is funny. It doesn't bother me that much. Again, this is my favorite movie. But, again, stuff like that is, you know... A little weird. You right. can see palm trees, which everyone knows. You see palm trees, which makes no sense because it's supposed to be. There's no palm trees like, in I guess Ohio. the East Coast or you know something like that. Yeah, it's not supposed to be California. So you see palm trees, but there's always been one continuity thing that has bugged me, and I don't know if someone on the internet has explained it, but uh, you see Michael Myers watching Lori while she's in class, right? And he's wearing the Michael Myers mask. He's sitting there behind the car, outside, or right, right, I think, on the opposite side of it, standing there, staring at her, wearing the mask. Later on, it's insinuated that Michael broke into a warehouse, uh, not a warehouse, a hardware store, right. and stole mask, rope, and a couple of knives. That's literally what Brackett, the sheriff, says. And it's weird because he had the mask earlier, and time has been moving, so... 
was the was the hardware stores like security bell just ringing for hours and then they like got there late like it, it yeah. didn't add up i actually it's said that like, to myself like why 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 has this been going on for hours yeah unless it wasn't michael but the fact that he stole mask knives and rope it's obviously michael myers who who broke into the into the into the store and they blame it on kids once again they're like ah oh, it's probably some fucking kids yeah. on halloween pulling a prank or some shit but other than that dude it's a fucking perfect movie. Okay. There's some little things here and there, but I respect nothing that. too crazy. For me, it's a it's a pretty perfect film. What's uh, one of your cons? So I have a few like just little little things. Like um, one one of the one of my I think this is probably my top one is that I think the movie could have used a little more blood slash gore. Um, I okay. feel I feel like his onslaught would be felt a little stronger because there there isn't like I understand the whole. The, you know, the whole thing of, you know, less is more. But I really do feel because he is such, you know, quote unquote monster slash boogeyman showing a little showing a little more violence with what he was doing. I think would have would have definitely made the film a little more effective. You know, I, I wanted to see like I, I would have loved to have seen him actually get the jumpsuit. You know, what I'm saying like I would have loved to have mm-hmm. seen him get the mask. How does he know how to drive? You know what I mean? It's just little, yeah. it's like little things like that. Um, I would say the only really other con that I that I was kind of like, you know, it was kind of annoying me was there. There's parts of the score used in the film so early on that I feel they could have eased into a little more. Like, I see what you're saying. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like. Like when he's driving the station wagon and and Lori and her friends are walking, like it's almost just like it's just thrown in there. Where I feel like they yeah. could have they could have gotten away with that with just like a simple drone or just just a simple background noise that's that's mm-hmm. going on, uh, you know, on the street. But that's really it, you know. That's I I really do agree with you. This is a very well made uh, movie. They definitely overuse the main theme in in the movie. It's it's used a bunch, but. Again, it was a low-budget film. Everyone involved in this movie at this point was very young. And also, you got the director doing the score. And that's not very common, yeah. where the director does the own, yeah. his own score to the film. You know? So well, Carpenter that's scores also, all of his I, movies for the most part. Right, so. exactly. That's why I... That's <laughs> Which is one, incredible. One of, one of the aspects I do love about him, him and Alan Howarth, how they would do you know the own you know their the score to their film you know to his films i i do like that uh that's actually a little fact i have he scored this movie in four days oh four days wow yeah so that's according to the internet what i could find i was looking up some facts uh fair yeah he he scored the film in in four days (laughs) yeah so very quick He he just uh, knocked it out, knocked it out, and look at how I- iconic it's become, you know. So, yeah. do you uh, have any facts here before we uh, close out? Yeah, I have. Um, I, I know there's a few, and I, I actually have a little funny story about this fact that I have. So, the fact that I have was told to me by two different people, and I had told them that I had just rewatched Halloween. And one of the facts both people told me, Sheila and my friend Timmy, were like, you know, they didn't have a lot of leaves, so they had to keep reusing all the leaves in the film. So they would bag them up and put them back, you know, put them in (laughs) the street. Didn't know that. But I love how in a span of one day, two people told me that same fact. That, That is really funny. Yeah, because again, going back to what I think I said before, it's California. Leaves don't change color. So right. they had to fake the funk and make it, you know, it definitely adds to it. You see the leaves all over the floor. It feels oh, like sure. October. It feels like Halloween. So, it's really funny, too. When you watch the movie back, you'll notice that most of the streets, like in the wide shots, are empty. There's yeah, no there's leaves. Nothing. There's anytime not, yeah. A character, <laughs> yeah. yeah, anytime a character is like walking down the block and the camera's focused on them, you see leaves on the floor. So, again, little things. But, again, this was very early on in John Carpenter's career. Like, they were all, you know... Just up and coming, yeah, you know, I mean, filmmakers do and producers and writers, yeah, and so. set design. I'm sure they were like 25, 26, 30 years old and, and doing all this, you know. So just to go with the, that trivia, I'm just very happy that two people could tell me that within a day span. <laughs> so shout out to Sheila yeah. and shout out to my coworker Timmy. <laughs> Lou, what That's about great. you, bud? <laughs> uh, I have one more fact. I have one more before we uh, we close out here. Uh, 
Originally, the actor Nick Castle, who plays Michael Myers mm-hmm. for a majority, apparently there's like five different people played him in the. I think John Carpenter himself might have even played Michael yeah, Myers at one point. I did but, not know that. Yeah, but Nick Castle, who also became a a director himself, just wanted to be on set. Because he was friends with John Carpenter. I think they were like in a band together or something. And he just wanted to like hang out. Again, they were all young. They just wanted to chill. He wanted to see how movies were made. And John Carpenter was just like, yo, you want to just put on the jumpsuit and mask and play Michael Myers? Like, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because like when I I first started, you know, working in filmmaking, uh, my very first film was a slasher film that I wrote. I didn't direct it, but I co-wrote it with a friend of mine. And... We had a character that was killing people in, you know, very typical slasher form, mask, jumpsuit, jacket, and all this shit. By the time we finished shooting it, like, almost all of us have put on the fucking, Amazing. you know, the costume and the mask and held the knife because, you know, you got to get the shit shot. You got to get it. You got to get it made, man. I mean, so, as long as it works. It's a group effort, man. Yeah. Everyone's the killer. He, listen, if you have an, a, a killer with a mask, dude, anyone can fucking play it. You know, you have to make sure, sure you get the taller person for, like, you know, the intimidating shots. But, definitely, again, anyone can play a mask killer for the most part, in, especially on an independent, low-budget film. You know, it just, it works. Agreed. So, in closing, you know, Halloween's a great film. Uh, it should definitely be watched every October. I can agree with that. Even though I don't, I, I can agree with that. It gave birth to, I guess, the modern slasher. Even up until this point, like Scream. We had, we had seen Scream together for our friend, for Tom's, mm-hmm. our friend Tom's birthday recently. And even that Halloween's reference. It's just such an iconic film. I don't know how anyone can say it's not. You know, it's, it's just overall a great movie. And if you haven't seen Halloween, which I highly doubt because you're listening to us, go out of your way right now to go watch it. It fucking rules. He's gonna get you. 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 The boogeyman is coming. So that was Halloween. Be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Haunted Hangover. And if you can rate and review us, that'd be greatly appreciated. We'd also like to throw out there, thank you for supporting Haunted Hangover on Patreon. And remember, the best cure for a hangover is... More booze. Later, guys. Later, guys.